You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney, and I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, how are we doing? Week five, the Chiefs have righted the ship. It's got to feel like a better week for you. Uh, it does feel better. I, I, I've been thinking about it, and uh, after careful consideration, I've decided that two and two is better than one and three. Yes. Without a doubt. And I, I think you're right there. Uh, that would be under 500. The Chiefs are now back to 500. Who knew that we would be here entering Bills Week? Did we ever think in a million years the Chiefs would have two losses heading into a huge game against the Buffalo Bills? Probably not. If you like the Arrowhead Pride editor show, please rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Everything helps. John, we're going to get into our marinated takeaways from Chiefs and Eagles and what it means for this game against the Buffalo Bills. But our biggest piece of news this week heading into Bills week, and and we'll start here, is the fact that on Sunday morning, prior to the games getting started, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who is among the most well-connected football people in the world, he comes out and essentially says the Chiefs are extremely high on what they've seen from Josh Gordon. We had originally thought it was going to take a couple of weeks for him to be activated. But now Ian Rappaport says the Chiefs were almost ready to activate him next week. And so this will change things, won't it? Well, that's the presumption. I I guess we'll have to see if it will actually change things. Um, You know, it's always hard for the second wide receiver in the Chiefs offense to get much action. Um, You know, even Sammy Watkins, when he was healthy, uh, didn't get that many yards in most games. And he's going to have that same problem uh, in a Chiefs offense. But the thing that Watkins was able to do was to be a threat that defenses paid attention to, and that made the rest of the offense effective. And maybe that's what they can get with Gordon, because I think defenses will be paying attention to him, whether that's warranted or not. Those are the things we're going to find out once he gets on the field. I'm going to read what Rappaport says, and mm-hmm. when, then we could go to what Andy Reid said on Monday. But here was, here was the quote from Rappaport. A low-risk signing, Gordon could pay off quickly. He was described looking like a number one receiver, 230 pounds and fast. That's five more pounds than we've been listing him as. Uh, continued Rappaport, one source said, you would never know he's 30. He has really flashed in practice. In a disjointed career, Gordon has always been a big play guy, averaging nearly 20 yards per catch with the Seahawks and nearly 15 with the Patriots in 19. He also picked up the offense quickly, thanks in part to some similarities from what he ran in Cleveland when he first entered the league with the Browns. Brad Childress was the offensive coordinator on that 2012 team, meaning some of the verbiage is actually the same from 2012. So as much as we 
make the fact that Andy Reid changes his offense year in and year out. There is some crossover verbiage from 2012. Andy Reid was asked about the chance of Josh Gordon coming up this week on Monday, and here's what he said. Yeah, I'm going to just see how he does this week, Adam, I'm, um, and talk to him. I'm, I haven't talked to him today, but um, we'll just see kind of where he's at and how he's feeling. And um, I mean, there, There's a chance, um, but there's a chance that he's not also. So I'm going to just kind of play it by ear and see see how he feels. And really, it's more of a comfort thing with – with the offense. I don't want to put him in a bad situation out there. So I don't know what you really take from that. There's a chance, but there's a chance that he's also not kind of keeping the cards <laughs> close to the vest. And so that makes, that makes McDermott, Sean McDermott and the, and the bills defense, I guess, have to prepare for what would be an unknown receiver. Uh, but you could tell that he's also saying he, they've been surprised. They're going to see how he does this week. Uh, he had mentioned about the body fat thing where he just looks fantastic and is in great shape. I think it's still up in the air to an extent. In my mind, what this translates to is some packages, meaning he's not going to be able to be on the field for 100% of the snaps. We're going to get into the snap counts from Chiefs Eagles in a second here. He's not going to be able to be out there for 100% of the snaps, but we may see him in certain packages. I'm thinking in the 30 to 40% range. That's what I would bet on Sunday against the Bills. Well, it's, of course, so shocking that Andy Reid would say something that was noncommittal. Um, I mean, this is this is how Andy rolls. To McDermott, who is part of his tree, is reportedly doing the same thing right now yeah. about the mm -hmm. Chiefs in Buffalo at the time. Yeah. Well, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to commit himself to anything, whether it's an injury or a player starting uh, or sitting on the sidelines. Uh, he just doesn't like to commit himself to anything. So this isn't really surprising that uh, Reed is a little uh, wishy-washy on this issue. And honestly, he should be. You don't <laughs> want to be telling the other coaches exactly what's going to happen with your team in the following week. So I'm always okay with this. I know it frustrates a lot of fans. And sometimes it frustrates us, too, because we're trying to get a sense of what's going to happen so we can report it to people. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And this is yeah. this is Reed's way of doing it. You know, the truth of the matter is you get more on this beat from Rappaport than you do Andy Reid. That's just a mm -hmm. fact. Yeah. I remember there was mm -hmm. one occasion, and I, I'm not going to remember what year. It's been too many years at this point that I've been doing this. But one time, Ian Rappaport reported something right before Andy Reid took the podium. And <laughs> Andy Reid was asked about it. And Andy goes, well, I haven't seen Ian in this building this morning. So I don't, I don't know. You don't have to ask him. <laughs> and, uh, that was that. So I think Rappaport actually seems to be on, on the pulse of this. Maybe that's coming from the personnel side. So we'll see if it actually translates to the Chiefs offensive game plan against the Buffalo Bills this week. So we're looking ahead a little bit, but let's look behind and get into some of these snap counts. John, you do a fantastic job with our snap count article at arrowheadpride.com. What were the standout takeaways from Chiefs Eagles? Well, you know, uh, there was some stuff that was normal and there was some stuff that was that was outside of normal. And one of the ones that stood out to me was the way the, the cornerbacks were used, the defensive backs were used. Uh, you know, we always have the starting safety and the uh, starting cornerback um, and then the other starting safety and other starting cornerback playing almost all of the snaps. Um, we saw that over and over again last year, 
It's yeah. kind of like the offensive line for the defense. It's the it's the same week in and week out. But what was interesting in this particular week was that the third cornerback in this case um that was DeAndre Baker was on the field for 91% of the snaps. That's a really high number. Mm-hmm. And then uh the the takeaway that everybody was looking for was did Juan Thornhill have more snaps? Snaps he did. Uh, his use has continued to trend upward over the four four weeks of the season. It was 44% on Sunday. And what that meant was that the Chiefs were using extra cornerbacks and safeties on a lot of their plays uh, on Sunday. And yet they didn't do very well in pass defense. Um, right. So th- that was kind of an interesting thing to see that it, despite putting all these extra players on the field in the defensive backfield, uh, they just weren't getting a lot of help from that. And as a result, of course, that also meant that there were fewer uh, defensive linemen and linebackers on the field on any given play. And uh, and the defensive ends actually were on the field more often than usual uh, in this game. Uh, all of them had their numbers be up uh, above uh, above their normal levels over the last couple of weeks. So I thought that was a very, that was the most interesting thing to me anyway. Um, for this game. And of course we continue to see that, uh, the chiefs are not, uh, putting a particular running back on the field in passing plays. They seem to be okay with their running backs being on the field, whether it's a pass or a run, which is a good thing. You don't want to be in a situation where you have to put a running back out there because he's good in pass protection and telegraph that the coming play is a pass play. So that's a very good thing that continues to be the case with the chiefs. I think the things that stand out for me defensively is we are starting to see a gradual snap count increase for Thornhill. Now, needs to be taken with a grain of salt because they're just in general were more safeties on the field mm-hmm. against right. the Eagles. Mike Dana, I think, is starting to earn extra playing time. And I think that's notable in the sense that, well, Frank Clark at some point here, who's played one game, is is going to come back healthy. And I don't necessarily know if that means Mike Dana's snap counts are going to dip i think you know you 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 have him and he's leading the team in sacks now with three after two last game you have him and he looks like the best defensive end on the team who would have thought with chris jones Mm -hmm. and frank clark supposed to be in this mix that mike dana of all people and so i think you got to really keep him in the rotation frank clark may be better for it as you try to ease him back from what is now another hamstring injury like let's think about the hamstring injury also too are we completely sure that clark is going to be available next week the hamstring on the other side of his body cost him like a month stemming from the, the preseason. So I just don't think it's a given that we see Clark. I, I'd assume that maybe Ward would be a little bit closer than Clark because hamstrings could be fickle, uh, more fickle than quads. We don't know the exact extent of the injuries. The Chiefs don't right. get in the details and bring out Rick, good old Rick, for every single injury. But I, I just wonder... Uh, is Clark even going to be available? And if he is, you got to think it's going to be a very, very ease-in situation where they are counting his snaps. And right. Dan is still going to see some snaps. Um, Josh Kando, I think, is almost beginning to be a, a person that you might have to put out there and just see what he can do, just because I, I think the defensive line has been been such a mess. Um, you have seen what I'm looking at, your charts, John, and, and you got to check this article out on arrowheadpride.com. You have these charts of... Uh, how many snaps they've received. It, it seems like he got additional uh, run defense snaps this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, you wonder if, okay, the Chiefs are starting to get sick of some of their edge players and, and what they've seen so far 
when it comes to setting the edge against what would be run down. So, yeah, I, some, I find that some, surprising, too, that Kendo was out there uh, more as a as a, a run stopper than or right. more often on running plays than passing plays that I thought that was surprising because that, you know, his thing was supposed to be pass rushing. Right. And so it was kind of surprising to see that, you know, sometimes this can happen by accident. You know, uh, the defensive t uh, coordinator doesn't always know what the play is going to be when he sends the package out there. Right. But sure. over time, they tend to be they it tends to tell you something. And um, and, you know, we'll right. see this week after week. We're after only week in four that, weeks of data. But I mean, once we get yeah. to a point of 10 yeah. weeks, I mean, we'll start to really be able to understand right. what what the chiefs are trying to do right yeah, that's why we don't do these charts until the fourth week <laughs> right that makes sense yeah uh, so those are the defensive points i i think the offensive point that you nailed with the running backs and being put out for different plays that's got to translate to the chiefs being comfortable with clyde from a, a mm -hmm. pass protection standpoint now we had asked them and they said yeah we, we feel great about it but you never really know <laughs> like you right, never they're right. not going to say Oh, no, he's awful at pass protection. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what you're seeing is in Kansas City, and sorry to you Clyde owners out there who love fantasy football, I, I think it's becoming closer to a true committee than uh, we thought it might be. And not I don't think it's 50-50, but I tend to think that it's getting to that maybe 55, 45. I, I think mm -hmm. that tends to be where they're going with it, and I like it. I think Clyde's playing better for it. Daryl Williams looks like a formidable running back. Why not keep these guys fresh? You see tandem running backs working throughout the league. I, I always think about Cleveland. If, Cleveland is the perfect situation with running backs. If you can get two guys like that, that old Kamara Ingram, Kamara um, Latavius Murray situation that they had before uh, they felt like Latavius Murray wasn't good enough anymore. I, I just think the one-two is new NFL a little bit and Daryl is getting his opportunity here and he really does seem to be taking advantage of that. And then one other significant point that, that we noted in the article this week was that the percentage of run plays was just over 50%. That's very rare for an Andy Reid team in the Patrick Mahomes era. And I think it suggests that they are finally comfortable with the offensive line and Edwards Alaire. And he showed that they should be. Um, yeah. You know, he was fantastic on Sunday. I, He's been good the last two weeks. I think you're also seeing a real concerted effort, and you could see this on the away broadcast because I'm, I'm at the games usually for the home games. But on the away broadcast, you can tell, like, there's just been a tendency of teams to play a little bit further back and deep and just say in general, especially at the beginning of the game, we are not going to have this Tyreek Hill situation. Now, Tyreek Hill exploded in the fourth quarter when – the uh, game was was ongoing for a while, but what that means is lighter boxes, and the only way that you can maybe open up the pass game again is committing to the run. We also mm -hmm. don't know how many of these are calls because Andy Reid hands Patrick Mahomes the keys to this thing, and there can be a lot of option plays built in where Mahomes is choosing to hand <laughs> off, which is growth from him too because you remember at the beginning of the career all he wanted to do was play backyard football and throw it around and i just think you're seeing a, a maturity in that sense uh from patrick yeah. Mahomes. be being over 50 percent of runs is a big deal for an andy reed team it really is yeah, I, and, it really is. and and most coaches would tell you the closer we can be to 50 50 the better our offense is going to be and because the chiefs are being forced to play a little bit more methodical football because of I think defenses are just saying we're not going to be, be beat deep. And even if it means we give up first downs, more plays means more opportunities to cause turnovers, which is 
the difference in the two losses of the Chiefs. Yeah. It really, you know, it really was. And so give us more opportunities to maybe make an interception. Patrick Mahomes was picked on a bad play. I mean, he's a, he had five touchdowns and he's amazing, but he, he made a blemish on a play and there was an interception. We've seen Chiefs fumble and maybe that gives you more opportunities. What the Eagles had was kind of the similar game plan to everyone else, except for being aggressive on fourth down. I had noted that right after the game. I just like could not believe that they didn't commit to going for it on more fourth downs and trying to go for touchdowns and stay in this game. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're not going to win. I, it, it is what it is. I, I mean, Mahomes is always, it seems, going to score minimum 28, probably 35, maybe 40. And so, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, at that point, I think you really got to commit to going and getting points. And I thought critical mistakes by Sirianni right after the game. And we'll get into more of those takeaways uh, now that we've had a few days to think about uh, the game coming up in our next segment. Let's get into the Andy Reid roundup. Andy Reid was back this week, John. He he made his triumphant return to the Monday Zoom presser after taking a week off. Remember, it was the coordinators last week with Andy Reid in the hospital. And my one of my questions this week was simply about Willie Gay and whether or not we'll see him because I think the Chiefs are really missing Willie Gay. Uh, he was eligible to return from IR with that turf toe injury last week. The Chiefs opted not to do it. We did see him on the practice field on Wednesday and Thursday. He did not have a helmet on. Looked all right. Uh, but again, no helmet means probably not going to play uh, this week. And we'll see if he gets activated uh, at some point this week. And here's what Andy Reid had to say on Willie Gay. Yeah, there's a chat. I mean, he was. He was kind of getting there last week. So um, we'll see on this piece, see where he's at um, as we go, as we go forward here. But um, I think he's starting to feel a little bit better for sure. So starting to feel a little bit better. I honestly, at this point, feel better about Josh Gordon playing than Willie Gay. I hate to say it. Well, these toe injuries are, are crazy. I mean, right. you know, Patrick Mahomes toe injury bothered him for a long time after he went back and and played and you know, he had surgery in the off season. This is likely going to be something that's going to affect his play even when he comes back. If if we use the Mahomes example uh as our as our historical precedent here. So, um, you know, it's a little concerning. Uh you you don't know how it's going to how long he's going to be out. You don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back. Um, it's, it's a bad thing. We want to get him back on the field, but we also don't want to put him out there before he's ready. It's going to be bad enough, even when he is ready, that he's going to have this thing that's going to be limiting his, his ability, you know, remember this happened in the the preseason week against the Vikings. Mm -hmm. So if you do the math here, you're right in the range of when you would typically come back from a turf toe. Cause don't forget there was that extra weird bye week before the season started. So now you're on one, two. And then you have the four game week. So that's around the five to six area now. So right. I, I think it's either going to be this week or next week based upon those read words. I, I tend to think it's going to be next week. That is a great point on Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes just said, yeah, I'm just going to play with yeah. the same injury. Uh, now it's different between uh, what is, you know, you're, you're supposed to be your starting strong side linebacker and a quarterback. The quarterback can kind of mask it. The quarterback doesn't have to run. Now Patrick Mahomes ran throughout the playoffs. Right. Even more amazing. But it was like three or four times a game. What makes Willie Gay great, and this is why they call him Turbo, since he got to the Chiefs, is just his ability from to to move on a lateral standpoint really mm-hmm. quickly, to change on a dime, 
to turbo his way to the ball carrier, and he's going to need to press off the toe. And so you can see that the Chiefs are holding back a little bit there. Right, right. I think that's exactly right, that it, that he's got to be more athletic than a quarterback usually has to be. And uh, so it's something that's going to be – it's going to bear watching uh, as the season continues, even after he gets back on the team, whenever that turns out to be. I know that everybody was wondering on Sunday – Watching that broadcast, he said, oh, my, Kenny Gainwell just fumbled. The Chiefs did not challenge it. Here's what Andy Reid had to say about that. The problem was we didn't get any replay on it, and it was on that far corner over there away from us. So hard to see exactly what went on. Um, normally, you get a replay up. They, they, didn't, they didn't present one, so we, we weren't able to you know, get a look at it. Hindsight, though, hindsight is, a, yeah, I should have thrown a flag. So there you go. I I believe, and I, I don't want to be quoted on this necessarily, I believe that the away team is required to show two replays. And I don't think Andy Reid was about to sell out his old team, but it just sounds like that that did not happen in Philadelphia. Now, you could get on him for not calling a timeout, but in my opinion, based upon these words, I don't even think the – the team upstairs, the replay team that's supposed to have it right away, had an opportunity to see it again, which is bad, which is bad on Philadelphia. I believe it's part of the rules. Again, I'm not 100% sure, but from my days with the Chiefs.com, I, I just remember the production team needing to show it, even if it was for the away team, at least once or twice. Well, and again, and that's, it, a qu- and that's a question that I have. Do they actually yeah. have a separate crew that's providing a different feed? I think it's, it's got to be shown broadcast. in the stadium. Yeah. Well, no, it, it is. It is in house, but they're required. And it just does not seem like that that took place at the link. Yeah. OK, well, so that's it's hard not to get good. on the Chiefs for that. And right. Right. I, I think they're bailed out then. Now, you could get on Andy Reid. You say, OK, well, they're not showing a replay. You have to call a timeout because they were within the red zone. Now, that is an argument that that's acceptable. But this idea that oh they don't know what they're doing. It, he didn't want to say it. You could tell. We just played it. He didn't want to say it, but it sounds like Philly didn't do the right thing when it came to uh, showing a proper amount of replays in the stadium. Yeah. yeah. Well, and of course, you never know that the refs are going to call it that way, even when they get the replay. Uh, you know, it's always a it's always a toss up in these situations, and it's real easy to look at that play and go, "Oh, well, it was obviously a fumble," but it doesn't doesn't always play out that way. So, um, but yeah, it, this is an issue that is probably going to continue to occur. Um, you know, home teams aren't always following these rules 100%. Right. Uh, you know, that's part of having a home field advantage is like, oh, yeah, we're going to be a little slower on your replays than we are for the ones for our team. That's just that's just, that's just just part of what it is. So we'll see this, this kind of thing again, I'm sure. A trend we've seen this season is opposing offenses going for it on fourth down. I had noted that I, I just don't think Sirianni did it enough in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But offenses are six of eight against the Chiefs on fourth downs this season. Here was Andy Reid on that trend. You know what? It's happening all through the league. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, teams are more willing to go for fourth downs more now than ever before. And we've always been a willing team to do it. And... Um, depending on situation, but I mean, you're seeing it on the plus side of the field and the minus side of the field. So it's, uh, um, it's, it's football today. It's kind of crazy, but uh, points are, it's, you know, 
they wanted it to be an offensive game and it's leaning that way where people are taking more chances. So Andy Reid kind of said, no, this is a league-wide thing. And in swoops, friend of the site, Matt Derrick. And I'm going to read his tweet. <laughs> Chiefs Digest. The Chiefs have faced eight fourth down attempts through four weeks, tied for most in team history. Shout out to the 2018 defense. A total of 16 teams have faced more fourth down attempts through four weeks, led by the 2015 Steelers, who faced 11. Ravens and the Washington football team have only faced one attempt. So it does seem like teams are more willing to go on the chiefs, but I think it's, it's dual. And that's to kind of bail Andy Reid out a, maybe there is a weakness in the defense that opposing teams see, but B, I just mentioned the points thing. You have to, you have to go. Mm-hmm. I think, I think John Harbaugh realizes that. I think Kevin Stefanski realizes that Brendan Staley realizes that we've talked about it on this show. And so I, I, yeah, I, the defense could be better. And I think once you start punishing teams and giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes at your own 45, maybe this trend will stop. But that's up to the defense defense to, to handle at a certain point. Um, it may lead to a blowout, and then the coach has to go to the podium in uh, City X and say, yeah, I went for it on my own 45 and try to explain that. And uh, again, I, I think that trend might stop if the defense can step up. But there's a lot of reasons I think this is happening to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you know, when I look at statistics for uh, conversions, I tend to mix the third and the fourth downs together because they're both seen as, you know, this is what you, this is the play where you're going to get them off the field or not. And it seems like the Chiefs are a lot better on third down than they are on fourth down, which is kind of, kind of weird to me. Um, you know, they, the, the only reason that they've had all these fourth down attempts is they've stopped these guys on third down, right? You know, this is, so they seem to be better on, on third down than fourth down. And I'm not quite sure why that would be, uh, is, is, are the plays being called differently on fourth down than they are on third down? You know, what's the difference here schematically or in the players' minds on right. these plays? You know, um, if that, that might be a key to the Chiefs getting to the point where this isn't something that happens every week. And if it does happen, it isn't successful. Um, it's, it's, I don't quite understand why it's a problem. Um, and, and I assume that the, the Chiefs don't understand either or they'd be fixing it. So let's ask that question. You know, what's the difference here? Why is this different than third down? Because it really, it ought to be very close to the same. I could tell you, Sean McDermott and the Bills have had to learn the hard way. Remember, they had that early, I believe it was a 9 nothing lead in the AFC title. And at the time, I was like, you got to be going for these. I mean, you got this has mm-hmm. to be a 14-21 to 21 point lead. This is not yeah. going to beat the Chiefs. And sure enough, the Chiefs came back. And I imagine they'll come in Arrowhead and try to be more aggressive on Sunday. I think you got to be. I think you got to be. Uh, finally, Andy Reid spoke about defensive lineman Chris Jones, and here comes that question. Is it time to move Chris Jones <laughs> back to the primary defensive tackle position? Here was Andy Reid leading with Jaron Reed. The one thing Jaron Reed has done is given us flexibility to move Chris out and move him back in in certain situations. We've kind of moved him all around is what we've done. <clears throat> and I, I think that's been important, and he's done a nice job. I mean, he had – several hurries yesterday. He did a nice job with that and uh, was around the quarterback, um, which when, when they did throw the ball. So um, at both spots. And, and I, I think that uh, the one thing it normally does out there is it frees them up, you know, gives them enough better, a little bit better opportunity for, for rush. So, but having Mike, we rotate them anyway. So, so, so we'll, they're all going to play 
you know, whether Chris is inside or out. I mean, you could say Jaron Reed and you could say the flexibility and it was such a, a grand preseason point. The truth of the matter is, and this was a, a thing that looked really good on paper. We had talked about, well, Frank Clark is healthy. He's back. Chris Jones is going to be a force on, on, on the edge. You have Jaron Reed next to Derek Nottie. You got Turk Wharton and Colin Saunders behind them. Mike Dannis in the mix. Josh Kando, who knows? Maybe he'll be ready by week six. Best defensive line in the league. Jaron Reed hasn't really played well enough. And Chris Jones has looked slightly average or slightly above average to who knows. I think there are some moments when he looks really good on the outside, but generally he does not look like the top tier elite behind Aaron Donald player mm-hmm. at yeah. that position. And when Mike Dana is looking like your best defensive end, you are suddenly like, okay, well, should we move Chris Jones back into that defensive tackle primary position? Because remember, as you had mentioned, John, all throughout the offseason, he was popping out occasionally last year, but it would be more two to three, two, two to one inside mm-hmm. to outside right. as opposed right. to the other way around. So, and, and now it's the percentage is very high at defensive end. I mean, he's going into right. the inside some, but not nearly as much as he was going to the outside from the inside. We had we had a, a hamstring cost Frank Clark pretty much all at training camp. I was up there every day. He was hardly on the field once he suffered this hamstring. Mm-hmm. They tried to put him back in the field. He repulled it. It was out for the preseason. It's like four or five weeks. We're only on week two or three of this new hamstring. My thing is like, okay, at this point, if you move Chris Jones back inside, who are your defensive ends? I know Mike mm-hmm. Dana is one of them. Is he playing 95% of snaps outside per game? We know that Steve Spagnuolo doesn't want to do that. Are all of a sudden you moving another defensive tackle outside where, you know, maybe they're trying something new there. I just I don't know if the Chiefs have the numbers and maybe that's a problem with the personnel department. Like maybe they really should have went out and got a Melvin Ingram. Like maybe that was a a bigger priority or should have been a bigger priority than we've made it out to be. I just don't know how you do it if you do it. I think they got to stick with it to just see if we can they can, can work it out. Steve Spagnuolo, we have seen him in previous seasons, essentially say, everyone relax without saying those words in particular, but (laughs) I'll figure this out. And sure enough, at a, at certain point, the chiefs figure it out, but you just, you just have such an important game coming up this weekend. And it's early in the season. And it's like, are you willing to continue run this defensive line out there that isn't working and risk losing a potential AFC buy tiebreaker against an offense that's playing as good as anyone in the NFL and I question I can't answer and it's going to be up to the Chiefs to answer well I think you know this is touching on an argument that I see all the time uh, among Chiefs fans and that is you know why didn't they expend a draft pick an early draft pick to get a quality defensive end on this team and I think that's a fair criticism but I also think that after the Super Bowl, was anybody worried about defensive end? No. People were worried about the offensive line. You know, that was the clear reason the Chiefs lost that game. And so they put that emphasis on fixing the offensive line in the offseason. They've used three early draft picks in the last two drafts to to make this happen. You know, we're talking about Niang and Humphrey. Uh, and then trading for Orlando Brown. That's three early picks uh, on the offensive line in the last two drafts. And then they spent a lot of money on, on Tooney um, and got lucky with, uh, with uh, Trey Smith. Uh, you know, they were lucky there. They didn't have to expend a lot of expensive draft capital. But once you've done that, how much 
what kind of assets do you have left to fix defensive end? We're back to this thing that we, you know, have to remind ourselves every year. You can't fix every position on the team uh, in one offseason. You have to decide what's most important and make that choice. Um, and sometimes that means you don't have the talent. And I think you make an excellent point, Pete, that, um, you know, it's easy to look at it and say, well, Chris Jones is a lot better at defensive tackle than he is at defensive end. You ought to go back. Okay. But who plays defensive end if Jones isn't out there as long as Frank Clark isn't on the field? And, uh, you know, yeah, you can go back and say the Chiefs should have gotten a defensive end, but I think you can make a good argument that fixing the offensive line is more important. And uh, maybe there just wasn't anything they could do about it. Yeah, and I, I look at the the draft class. I have it pulled up in front of me. The best edge player that was taken so far is Micah Parsons in Dallas, and he was taken number 12, and he was drafted as a linebacker. They decided, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to put him at the edge position, and now all of a sudden he's the best edge in football all of a right. sudden. Like, it's right. crazy. Like, that was such a lucky circumstance for, for Dallas, and Dallas's defense is better but because of it. You got to get a little bit lucky. Like the Chiefs decided to punt on that first round pick altogether and sure up the left tackle position. And I, I think you're right. I think there were a pr- lot of problems with this this team. Offensive line was the greatest issue. We can't forget about that. And the right side right. looks like it's purring right now. Yeah. I mean, oh, the man. interior, especially. Yeah. yeah. And and they fixed that. And they said, well, if we can protect Patrick Mahomes, he'll sort of fix everything. And he usually does sands these turnovers the Chiefs are undefeated I know other fan bases don't want to hear that I'm happy to tell you guys that I know that and and the defenses look terrible but without those offensive blemishes the Chiefs would be undefeated it's crazy to to, right and so yeah like I think we're having a lot of these tough conversations because the Chiefs have two losses and there is a silver lining aspect to that but other than the Ingram thing which is looking a little bit like a mistake Mm -hmm. I don't know what else they could have done from that standpoint it's been a little bit unlucky there with this frank clark injury because i think clark was really ready to have a comeback here before all the off the field issues and now these injuries and man the fan base has really turned on clark and i can't say i blame blame them um it's it's tough it's tough watching this situation right now with the salary cap percentage yeah well it's easy to to say that not getting ingram was a mistake but who's to say that he would have been effective in the Chiefs' defense as effective as he is, yeah. Now no, it, it locks you know, into it, it, right? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts there, and maybe they looked at him and said, "Okay, this isn't the guy that we can make work and what it is that we're doing." You know, it's not always just a question of the player's ability. Sometimes it's a question of whether he will mesh with what you have going on on your team, and that's something that's very difficult for us to judge on the outside. All we can do is look at that at what they do on, you know, how they get production on the field, and we're not in, we're not privy to those conversations. Andy Reid's not going to tell us about that. Even as as willing as uh, Spags is to talk to us, he's not going to tell us that. You know, we didn't get that guy because he didn't, you know, mesh into our system. He's not going to say that. Right. But it's part of the the decision making process to which we are not privy. And it'd be great if we were, but we're not, and we're never going to be. So, uh, you know, these are the things that happen that we can't predict and never will be able to. Worth worth noting here, the Chiefs have only hit the opposing quarterback 18 times in 2021. That's bad. Andy, Andy Reid has had mentioned, and we don't have to play this sound, um, but Andy Reid had mentioned a lot has to do with run-first teams 
um, and playing them, such as Cleveland, Baltimore, and Philadelphia, as they play more traditional teams, there'll be more pass rush opportunities. It is early here. Uh, you got to think of that sample size. You wish it would be better. 18 is, is low. It's on the lower end of the league among the bottom 10, I believe. And so we'll see if that improves as the Chiefs begin to play more traditional quarterbacks. But that is the Andy Reid roundup. If you want to hear the full Andy Reid press conference, you can get it from the podium right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. When we come back here on the Editor Show, we will have our world-famous marinated takeaways. <laughs> Stay with us. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. We're almost getting into Bill's week, but before we do, let's take one last look at this Philadelphia Eagles game for our marinated takeaways. Now that our takes have marinated for a few days, and we'll start as always, John, with your first thought on the game. Um, I think it's about baby steps. You know, um, I think that a lot of fans are so unhappy with the defense right now. They've got so many statistics where they're close to last in the league. I think it's fair to criticize the defense and, and be very frustrated with it. Uh, but they did do better in the red zone this week. Um, they they made plays when it mattered. Um, you know, they got a stop late in the game that was a very important one. Um, and that's a step forward. Um, yeah, they gave up 30 points and that's bad. I'm, you know, nobody can say that that's all right for them to give up 30 points, even if the last, uh, the last six of them was in garbage time. Uh, it's not, it's not okay. You want them to do better than that. And I, and they should do better than that. And they're going to need to do better than that as they play these better teams on the schedule. But you still want to see, take the team, take a step forward here and there. And they did that on Sunday. So I find that encouraging, you know, we weren't going to see them go from, being one of the, the worst defenses in the league into a top 10 unit in one week. That's just not going to happen, particularly right. when you've got a starting defensive end and a starting cornerback uh, missing from the team and and not even have all of your backups, you know, with Rashad Fenton and the con- concussion protocol um, and Willie Gay on injured reserve. You know, that's just not going to happen until we get all these guys out here. And I thought that uh, Ethan's article yesterday that covered those details I thought was an excellent point that um, they really haven't had their first team defense out there for any of these games and uh, I, you know you don't want to make that an excuse yeah. but it's still something that's significant and something we should remember as we move forward. I think Baker's looked pretty good to me which I, I'm I'm happy about because I, I think yeah. you have depth in your secondary. I do want to see Juan Thornhill just getting the start a, a let us be wrong let us all be wrong then yeah like that yeah. at a certain point I, I think he needs to to be back in the mix because I think you know what you're going to get from Daniel Sorensen to me Daniel Sorensen is the third safety in that room and that's a great he does a great job at that role I I, I think at a certain point we just got to say okay let's let's get Thornhill back in we know the upside there we can get Tyron Matthew back to doing what he usually does and so I'm happy with the steps the defense took. I think regardless of who's in there, these miscommunications where the Eagles are running up to the line because they know the Chiefs can't communicate is like very, very not good because it doesn't matter yeah. who's in there. Like that to me, and the tackling has been really bad. And I know that we're we're talking about backups, um, but still in the first half, especially more than the second half, I'm eager to see what Steve Spagnuolo says. 
Uh, but the tag, and, and so those are two things, regardless of who's in there. I feel like they need to be better now. Mm-hmm. Willie Gay's more athletic than maybe anyone on the defense, including <laughs> so yeah. I mean that can make a huge difference. A linebacker yeah. of of his uh, level of talent may may make a a huge difference. The the defensive line in front of him needs to be better because uh, if they're getting four and five yards before they meet Willie Gay, it's not going to matter. So a, a lot has right. to change. But I I agree. I think there was some steps taken, especially in the second half. I'm sure that's what Steve Spagnuolo was going to say on Thursday once again, but you, you're ready to see a complete effort from this team. And so um, that's where I land. I, we already talked about this one for my first marinated takeaway, but it's this, John. Establish the run. Establish the fun. Meaning <laughs> you show that you're able to run the football like this. Now we've had two back-to-back games with Clyde edwards Lair where he's able to rip off 100 yards. He looks fantastic. The holes yeah. at this, the right side of this line, especially, are making are just gaping. And I don't want to say that I could get a first down, but maybe could I get a first down? I don't know. Maybe I could find a way to, to do it behind this offensive line. That's that's the that's the level of hole that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has right now. Yeah. And you see what that can do as a game goes along. If you have to start respecting Clyde and Daryl, then all of a sudden uh, – you're going to be facing Tyree kill and he's going to be in one-on-one coverage down the field. And you'll see that off balance throw now. Oh, the defense needs to need, feels like they need to bring extra pressure. Here's well, here's my Kobe Bryant fade away lob pass to Tyree kill for his third <laughs> touchdown in the quarter or whatever it was the half. Yeah. So to me, it's established the run, established the fun. You do that early in games and you prove that you can uh, get mean and get violent as Trey Smith uh, has said and, and made a little bit, locally famous here in kansas city and then all of a sudden you know they need to bring extra players and they can't take travis kelsey out of a game they could just have to deal with one-on-one coverage of tyree kill that's when you start to see the football throw down the field again and so i think the chiefs know that i think they've learned that we've seen now more than 50 percent of the the run snaps which was a good note by you john and i think we got to see more of that the closer we can get to 50 50 the more fun this offense is going to be well and it is getting back to what we saw when kareem hunt was on the team I mean, you know, you, you you talk to fans and they are they're very much like, oh, well, we need Kareem Hunt back. Well, we're not going to get Kareem Hunt back. But mm-hmm. if we get the right player and the right offensive line and the ability to run the ball, we can get the offense that we had with Kareem Hunt back. And that's really what what everybody wants is to see that team that can succeed at multiple levels on the offense, which just makes Patrick Mahomes better. You know, that was the season where he was, uh, you know, the the league MVP uh, when he had that that working for him. So I think that's I think that's why the Chiefs expended that first round pick on Edwards Lair. I know a lot of people complain about that, that you should never spend a first round pick on a running back. But if it turns out that he is the key to making that happen, I think it'll be well worth it. That's just what I think. I've been a a big Clyde guy since he's been drafted and i mean there, there have been some growing pains here but i i think you're seeing all that he can do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and, and that to yeah. me is big too you saw he also had three targets in this game two catches for the 12 yards and what was a touchdown and so I, I i think man the more you can can make clyde and get him to that weapon level of a hill or a kelsey the more hill and kelsey are going to be able to do as well all right john let's get into your next takeaway yeah, I actually had a, an Edwards Hilaire take of my own, and I crossed it off at the beginning of the show because of something you said earlier. Um, and it, this is that we probably 
Um, you mentioned earlier that who would have thought that we'd be two and two at this point of the season? Well, actually, a lot of people did. Uh, you know, we we knew this was going to be a very difficult five game stretch at the beginning of the season, and uh, you know, I think I even at some point mentioned, you know, if we get through those five games and and we're three and two, well, we'll have done pretty well, and uh, you know, it'd be great if we get through them five and zero, oh, um, but those are teams that are going to be difficult to beat. Now it's possible we could get through these, these five games at two and three, that's less than ideal. But if we get through the bills and we're three and two, that's not that far off what our expectations really should have been. I think part of the trouble is that in with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, when he'd never lost a game in September, you know, we had this idea that we're just going to come into the season and roll over everybody. Right. And, you know, that's not going to happen every season. You know, it, it had happened in all the seasons that Mahomes was a starting quarterback. But, you know, at some point you have to regress to the mean. And if you're going to play all these strong teams early in the season, you're going to give up a game or two. And now the Chiefs have. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a problem later on. But they still have enough of the season left that they can counteract all of that and still put themselves in a position to be, you know, the the, the AFC's number one seed. And if they're not be in a position that they can do well in the postseason anyway. So um, I think part of the problem here in the last couple of weeks uh, with these back-to-back losses is that our expectations were maybe a little bit too high. So that's something I think we should remember for seasons to come. It's like it's not over till it's over, and we're a long way from it being over at this point. John, I respect your point. The ultimate counterpoint is the quarterback said 20-0. and <laughs> You know, like, I, I, you know, unfortunately, like, I I'm with you. I think you saw the beginning. It, it seemed like a little bit of like a murderous murderer's row at right. the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. Like, how are yeah. you going to get through that undefeated? But then he comes out and then Tyree kills like, well, the, the quarterbacks are 20 and 0 Chris Jones, 20 and 0. And then you drop two of the first three. So you had that too, but I, <clears throat> I do want to compliment Mahomes on my next takeaway. And we have this quarterback in Kansas city and he threw three touchdowns with three different arm angles, and we didn't really even make that big of a deal out of it. That's the mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. <laughs> he threw an underhanded touchdown. He threw a shovel touchdown. He threw the regular overhand touchdown. He threw three touchdowns to Tyree Kill. And it's not like we were like, whoa, five touchdowns, three with all these different arm angles. This man can throw it 180 degrees of 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 the arm rotation, whatever you want to call it. It does no looks. And we're just like, yeah, whatever. Five touchdowns. (laughs) Could you imagine? Put yourself back in the Alex Smith days, Mm -hmm. the castle days beforehand. And then all of a sudden there's a Sunday where Alex Smith throws for five touchdowns, three of which were different arm angles. We would be like. What the hell? Whoa, this is crazy. This is the norm in Kansas mm-hmm. City. And I've said this before, and, and this is real marinated, and it's going to have to marinate for 15 or 16 years. Good luck to the successor of Patrick Mahomes yeah. in Kansas City because this is just never going to be replicated again. What he is able to do is never uh, going to be replicated again, and it is the norm now that is wild that's the wild that's the wildest part he does this every week and just um an incredible game you know we we come out of that game we're just like talking about how bad the defense is that's where the chiefs franchise is at this point it's crazy 
Yeah, I'd hate to be that guy that has to take over. But of course, I'm sure there were people who said uh, for the Packers, you know, nobody will ever be like Brett Favre again. We're never going to yeah. see this again, you know. Uh, and so, yes, it's going to be difficult, but you never know. You just never know. Maybe this is the beginning of a, a string said, of three of the greatest like quarterbacks. And, yeah. And Mac Jones yeah. rips off 19 completions in a row and running Brady's offense. So maybe you're right. <laughs> I guess I'll just have to find the next freaking line in what, in 2040 or whatever. All right. Any more marinated takeaways from you, John? Um, Harrison Butker, perfect so far. Mm. I think that's oh, worth mentioning. People are going to be upset with that comment. Yeah. That, well, but, you know. You just... I, if, if people know. were upset because he, because he, you know, he I mean, more head from a case for a while. John. Yeah. I, well, I but mean, I mean, you know, we're a yeah. quarter of the way through the season and he hasn't <laughs> missed a single thing, you know? So I think mm. it's worth pointing out that the man has, has gotten over whatever it was that was troubling him last season. If in fact, that's what it was, it wasn't, you know, maybe that was just a, a circumstance of coincidentally things falling, you know, all of these errors happening in a string you never know about these things or if there actually was some kind of a problem he was working through mentally or, you know, some kind of mechanical issue with Tommy Tonson. I don't know. I'm just saying that a quarter of the way through the season, the man is perfect. And I Townsend, think that's great. Townsend has been great too. Uh, did not have to come on the field on Sunday, which is another problem altogether. Well, he held, he held for neither the Eagles punter. Neither, neither yeah. the Eagles punter. No punt regular season game. Um, yeah. John, I, I do want to tell everyone this. Harrison Busker misses an extra point on Sunday at Arrow Headphones on Twitter. Just make sure you remember that. <laughs> Jot it down. Um, with that, uh, we're going to say goodbye to John in this segment. We do have one more segment. It's the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. So stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Pete Sweeney here. We said goodbye to John Dixon because it's time for the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. And really, it's the best Chiefs thing you could do all week. More on that in a second. I'd like to welcome on the Tomstown founder and proprietor, David Epstein, and the head distiller, Brian Harper. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. David, why don't you go first? Hey, Pete, thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm the founder of uh, Tomstown with my business partner, Steve Rivera. And uh, we've now been in business for over five years. We're right in downtown uh, Kansas City in the crossroads. And we do uh, make a beautiful selection, uh, mostly Mr. Harper, the, the head distiller down there, uh, of bourbons and gins mm. and uh, award-winning vodka, and uh, all based on the Tom Pendergast story, which is a whole podcast unto itself. And uh, Pete, I'm excited for you to host that. But uh, Mr. <laughs> Pendergast ruled Kansas City uh, throughout the 20s and 30s, not one alcohol-related arrest during all of Prohibition. And it really became the Paris of the Plains and just an incredible, incredible, exciting story. Brian, what about you? Brian Harper here. I'm a head distiller, Tomstown Distilling Company. Um, I make all the award-winning spirits for David and Steve. Uh, I'm also a uh, season ticket holder, so I enjoy the Chiefs uh, nice. every, every Sunday I can. Been been going for about seven years now. I want to get into the... Tomstown Botanical Gin with the Chiefs logo in a second. But I also want to tell you guys something. I remember at your venue, it was a few years back now, Travis Kelsey suddenly was doing the Walk the Walk fashion show. And I guess he tapped into your place. If, if you remember, and, and diehard Chiefs fans remember this, he was doing Catching Kelsey at the time. 
it was swarmed uh, with cameras and whatnot. What do you guys remember? I'll, I guess I'll start with David. What do you remember about maybe that experience or what, what do you know about what happened with the, the Kelsey fashion show in Tomstown? Travis is not a small man. So that, that was the first thing that, that uh, I deduced. Yeah. Uh, I was cast as the bartender, which will make Brian Harper laugh because <laughs> I am not a mixologist. I am not a distiller, but I'm a very heavy drinker. Okay. We are, I think all roads to the Chiefs uh, and Tomstown, us doing this gin together, lead to that show. Was, was catching Kelsey. Um, that was 2016. It's hard to believe it was that long ago. But uh, I was uh, the bartender. Uh, JT, our head mixologist, was the bartender. And, uh, you know, he was selecting these women for his date. And I, I think actually his current girlfriend is from that show. I could be wrong. But um, it was kind of a short life show, but it was yeah. awful fun doing it. I think he got with his now long-term girlfriend shortly after. I don't think she oh, was okay. part. I don't think she was part of that show. I just remember though, I was working for Chiefs.com at the time, and suddenly, I just was told, "Hey, Travis is going to have a charity fashion show," and I'm like, "What?" And I showed up to Tomstown, yeah. and it seemed like it was just a a overnight fast thing. And there was vacuuming going on. I'm like, "This is going to be crazy," and it ended up being wild. Yeah. And what's nuts about that is it it started with i think the show and he continued it he loved it so much that he's now been doing it and it's actually raised a lot of money uh, for his foundation 87 and running so really cool connection to tomstown there brian you're the brian you're the head distiller i want to talk about this tomstown botanical gin with the chiefs what goes into that how did it happen where you were connected with the chiefs what can you tell us about the gin uh, that is all, uh, David's hard work. Um, he, he <laughs> that one together, uh, yeah. I make the gin and he, uh, he does the deals, uh, under the table. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just well, like what, Mr. Guess. what should, <laughs> yeah. what should folks know about, about the product, the, the gin? Uh, it is a new Western style gin. Mm. Um, most, uh, London style gins will have five to six botanicals. This is uh, 14 different botanicals. Um, a lot of the baking spices that go into it um, kind of accentuate the pine flavor you'll get from the juniper that put most people off of gin. Most people have had a gin incident at once in their life and <laughs> uh, tend to not go back, but we, we try to sway them back with uh, the new flavors we put in. Yeah. Welcome back to the the gin. I, I think there's a lot of cheese fans who are going to see this logo and say, okay, I'm going to have to get, get some of that. You can actually take a look at what the bottle looks like on our Arrowhead Pride Instagram account right now. All right. So let's get to the, the best Chiefs thing we heard or, or seeing all week. And David, it's this ticket contest with Arrowhead Pride where I want you to just talk about what you have to do and, and what, what you can win this week. And it's a huge press. Pretty, pretty simple. They actually sign up um, on, uh, on our newsletter. And I believe the link is in your bio. So right, that, right now on that, Instagram, also on Instagram. Not on Instagram, uh, right? Uh, and we're all really excited about that. And then what they win, which is even the more exciting, and Brian, you are you cannot enter because you already have seats and tickets. Uh, lower level tickets uh, to a game and a bottle of Tomstown Gin, and we're right. going to be drawing that this Friday. So the most important thing for me right there is a free bottle of gin. But yes. otherwise, yes, yes, you get to go to game too right and brian, you can come tailgate with me if you want oh what, right. what what is your section brian just so that we we know uh wherever they put me depends on how <laughs> early i get there but i try to get in i try to get in uh lot h is what my main one is kind of okay. by gate seven 
Got it. Got it. Yeah. I forgot that they have like really toned down being able to go to what is your spot at right. this point oh, yeah. at this stage of the parking. Um, so that's awesome. And, and David, you, you nailed it. The, the gin is great, but these are lower level tickets for chiefs and bills. So if you're listening yeah. to the podcast, it's imperative. You get to our Instagram account. You have the low, you have the uh, link for what is the newsletter sign up for the newsletter. Uh, David, I'll ask you this. So not only do you get entry into this drawing to go to Sunday night football for free, um, but what can people expect in this newsletter? Well, this is a whole, the, our newsletter is basically everything that's exciting about what's going on at Tomstown and what w- products that we're working on and spirits talks about the history of, of Kansas city and a little bit of our product, but also our relationship with the chiefs, which has just been such an incredible, exciting thing. And it's really just taken off. I mean, everybody kind of forgets the season is young. So we're, we're going to be <laughs> releasing more and more uh, products out at Arrowhead, which is great. We have our uh, uh, canned cocktails that are also sold out there with uh, some great recipes out there. This is just fantastic. So the newsletter is a great opportunity to catch up both on Tomstown and the Chiefs. So there you go. And I, I have it actually right in front of me. It's www.toms. And then you, there's a hyphen there, town.com slash subscribe. So that's easy to remember. www.tomstown.com slash subscribe. Brian, you feel like the diehard Chiefs fan in the room. What's your feeling on this Chiefs Bills game on, on Sunday Night Football? Um, I, I, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I, I feel that... Uh, that they're coming together, you know, we, we redid, uh, both lines. So, uh, uh, needed a few games to, uh, meld together. I think it's kind of suspicious that the two games we did lose, uh, led Andy Reed to, uh, get his hundredth game win against his whole team. So that's kind of suspicious. Yeah, um, it does. It does seem like a little jinxy there, doesn't it? I know, maybe, right? maybe that was meant to be. Maybe that's why they had to lose. The a little coincidence there. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So, David, do you have any take on this game at all? No, I, I, I listen a thousand percent to Brian. Now, you may say <laughs> that he's, he's part of the hype machine, by, and, but he's not on the Chiefs payroll. I am the biggest negative Nelly that you have ever met, mostly on, on almost all things. Got uh, it. But on Chiefs, he has gotten me to be much more rah-rah. So, Brian, I am now a believer thanks to you. See, that's what we want to see. Optimism and gin. Again, it's www.tomstown.com slash subscribe. Get in this contest, get the newsletter, get yourself to Sunday Night Football at Arrowhead Stadium. So for David and Brian, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. 